There we go. Are we live? Yes, we are. Hopefully. Yeah, Everything we got all right. of our, our pre-scheduled tweeting out of the way. Yeah. So we, we should be good, right? <laughs> we should be. If, the, if anyone in the chat says that we're live, please inform us. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I know there's a few-minute delay. But, uh, yes, okay, this week is a very exciting film spectacular week. I'm debating how to say this because I'm, you know what I mean? You know, when you're like, it's interesting content, but it's like, oh. <laughs> well, I thought what the word teen exploitation was probably the best that we could use for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've heard, you, you've heard of black exploitation, but now you've got gay exploitation, exploitation. That's yeah. all here. It's all here. It's all everything except for, well, yeah, even that. There's a little too. bit of it. A little bit of it here and there, but, yeah. um, well, especially in Nowhere, the the last movie, but we'll we'll get to that. So this week, Digital Archipelago on my channel with Matt Prudentialist. Um, this week we're covering three films that are part of what has been called the Teenage Apocalypse trilogy, part of New Line Cinemas. Well, it was all produced by New Line Cinema, but they were what they call the new. I have to avoid it. It's not 30 seconds yet. Ah, maybe we've been a minute. The like new LGBT cinema of the 1990s. But there's a, but please, before you drop, before you stop, before you turn this off, <laughs> please. There's a, a lot of unintentional red pills going on in these films. A lot of them. So before you turn off, please, God, please. It's it's amazing. The films, while they're not great, they're they're real like trash well no the first one was literally him a pa and no union camera work you know <laughs> cast so yeah yeah um, oh my god gr great cinema is a subjective term around here in these parts but uh, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine devin stack reviewing these films uh oh god he'd excoriate them with like a, <laughs> a thesis master's to you know defense basically is what yeah. i'd expect It'd have to be um, an Aussie exclusive, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're going to do this as diplomatically as possible. Because, exactly. Uh, if it were yeah. not for doing this show, I don't think I would have ever known who Greg Araki was or <laughs> any of these films. Uh, I, but then again, I would have never oh. known how James Duvall got his start. So Exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. Here, so, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Um, so I think like the reason we're doing this is I feel that this was an important time in history and it has a lot of parallels to our own timeline. And it has a lot of deeper themes, believe it or not, that I feel um, is in some ways unintentionally giving away like the sort of uh, trajectory of the way society was going to go for, you know, the foreseeable future. And this was from the early to mid nineties. So all three films they're made in the time span of throughout, I believe, the early to middle middle nineties. Um, yeah, it goes from ninety three yeah. to ninety seven. So you're yeah, yeah. in a four year time span. We get three really, I would say, really prophetic films in a lot of way. Like this was really a sign of where culture was going to go, and we can say a lot. Well, maybe not too. I don't know too much where I could say like you know totally effed up, but. Uh, that's the first film. I'm trying not to yeah. swear. Um, that one's more LGBT focused, but the Doom Generation, I think, really does speak a lot to 
coming out of the 1980s satanic panic AIDS crisis and then, yep. you know, into the new millennium. And a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about today, it's all there and it's all <laughs> still with us for and better each, or for worse. And yeah, definitely for worse. <laughs> definitely for worse. But you know what's funny is that the films are surprisingly self-critical because you could get away with stuff back in the day before like the ideology was um, cemented, like the messaging at least. So you could get away with quite a bit of like unintentional red pills. But what's interesting is that I will um, compliment Gregor Aki for completing such a stark artistic vision in film, which is incredibly difficult compared to other artistic mediums to complete in terms of a trilogy, in terms of a triptych of different films that may be like, and it is total postmodern cinema. There is, it's very nonlinear. It, they always end in an aporia more or less. Uh, it seems like these films don't go anywhere in particular, especially the first one totally effed up. But before that, let's get to shilling time. Uh, it's just shilling time. Sorry. That's that, that was from a, uh, a head P song called K word time. Uh, I'm trying to be K ill time. Um, so uh, maybe I'll go first. Uh, yes. I just have amazing content week just released yesterday. The content minded episode 14 with Will Wheelwright and Michael Thomas of Sharon. We're talking about the Catholic back to the land movement. Go and see that. Um, I have, a, I buy in the description. I have a new uh, buy me a coffee for one-time donations because i also have a paypal for one-time donations but of course always go to patreon.com this week's generate reviews is delayed because last week was my father um last saturday and sunday was my father's birthday and i was busy i had other stuff i had editing to do so i will come out with the episode either today tonight or tomorrow so for my patrons that are listening so don't worry about it um i have so i have a new buy me a coffee uh, i also have Amazing episode. Go to my community tab. I'll, maybe I'll link in the description. Uh, a The War Report episode with my good friend Goran, GSP, and his co-host, uh, Constantine Martelli, where we talk about the legacy and the significance of the exiting of the American empire from Afghanistan. And I go into... There's a lot of spicy bits as, as well in there, too. I talk about... Uh, uh, I think, Prude, you, you tweeted about... Or no, you didn't tweet about... I think you tweeted about this. But I saw on your Telegram before we went live the comments by uh, General David betray us. So <laughs> betray us. So I talked a little bit about that about why that term came about from the MoveOn.org article, uh, the ads. Uh, yeah. David be betray us. Um, and also my copy of the Passage Prize came out. I got this for free because I'm a judge. So shout out to my boy Lomez. Lomez will be on Content Minded. Uh, but of course, he's got to use a vocoder, a voice changer. So this is just amazing. Let me let me find some non-Fed posty um, content. Let me go to the wide. Uh, oh, this is a spread from the Zach Brown, uh, the second winner of the one I chose for the passage. Well, it was a committee choice, but he was uh, winner number two, second place for the passage prize. And of course, my good friend. Uh, let me find Wide Dog. Where where's Wide Dog? Um, my good friend, why? Oh, here's some King Sam. No, I can't show that. I can't show that. I, I just, <laughs> I'm sorry, King Sam official. Listen, I know your artwork is no, no, that has, that has a spinning wheel. I can't show that. I can't show that. 
Can't show that one. Um, let me find wide dogs one. Oh God. <laughs> but yeah, so please, I think that they, oh, here he goes. This is some of the wide dog pieces. This Very is good. from memories of a golden future, his series. Um, I know they're $400. Look at that. Just smacking it down. Uh, <laughs> I know they're $400. I think they sold out though from a print run of about, I want to say 200. So please, I think though they're going to print more. So if you want, please, if you have $400 burning a hole in your pocket, go and support Passage Prize. Me and Lomez are talking about some other things, which I can't mention because it's not concrete, but uh, it's to pertain to my Patreon goal of writing a book. So keep in mind next year, we'll see what happens. So Prudentius, what do you have up for the shilling before we go? Into oh, sure. Amazing, so... riveting cinema, <laughs> amazing Artur cinema, this total Kino and Nectar. Oh, by the way, I'm also in talk. I will be in talks with Kino Corner to do an episode with him on content mind. So there you go. Go ahead. Sorry. Cut you. You're Amazing. Fine. Kino cinema. <laughs> well, you know, taste is subjective. Uh, <laughs> well, ladies and gents. Um, so tomorrow I will have another episode of real talk for you. So uh, more fishing out. We finally got some rain. So the footage I recorded today was very nice. Um, it's uh, nice. finally not feeling like it's 110 those. degrees, not in the forties as uh, for our friends in Celsius. Uh, after that, the Sunday will be going over, you know, industrial warfare and globalization. I had to put it off from last Sunday because um, my spiritual father, our priest, is departing from our, our parish. He's moving. So we'll be getting a new one soon. So I just took the time Sunday to just spend more time there at church rather than have our show. Uh, but after that, um, I will have a reading sort of recording for video for you guys from my I am 1776 article. I'm going to be pretty light next week. I'm going to be helping take care of a friend while she's in surgery. So um, I'll be doing with that. But I'll have some writing out for sure. And mm. uh, as for things that are lying ahead in the future, I did buy something a little spicy from Apostate Gallery. And uh, we'll have some oh! exclusive. <laughs> I'm going to put that behind the, the paywall for sure. But uh, let's just yeah. say I, I bought Mr. Roger uh, his work. St. Uh, Elliot, peace be upon him. Well... Yeah. No, oh, I know. I, should <laughs> I don't think. I, I don't <laughs> think. <laughs> oh, she um, say that. But anyways, that'll probably be behind the paywall for sure. So oh, more, yeah. more stuff to come. But uh, next week will be pretty light. But don't worry. We've, I've got stuff lined up for you guys. I wonder how um, Parallax Optics and the, I wonder how they secured the rights to publish. Uh, I, I'm curious because it's, it's a very they, they publish it in such a way that's uh, very well done. <laughs> it's in a book for everything yeah yeah um oh my god <laughs> so um next week there might not be an episode of digital archipelago but we'll maybe we could pre-record so I don't know. yeah I, I might have some time I'll, yeah i'll let you know and and uh, next week on content minded i believe i'm going to release um the uh the forest episode he's a great twitter personality great poster and i believe in two weeks from now i might release the uh, gifts ungiven episode so we'll see what happens so right off the bat first film in the series this is 1993 um totally effed up gregor rocky's not his film debut but certainly one of his major films um in terms of later becoming a cult classic within uh what they call the new 
uh, queer cinema, queer in the academic term, uh, new LGBT cinema. And it really is a nonlinear narrative. It follows, it's, it's basically, okay, you know how we talk about the Redditors of a certain ilk, how they have the squat houses, the anarchist uh, squat houses. It's essentially um, six, I believe six gay guys and two lesbians in a, how, living in a house together. Yeah. And it's, it's like a mockumentary style where they are, uh, they have like these video logs where they're talking about themselves and so forth. And it's done in a way as to be half like mockumentary and half film. So it's got that experimental postmodern nonlinear film quality to it. But this is the first film in the series. This is, um, yeah, you go ahead. What's what was your first impressions? Uh, it felt sort of like a, a mock-up of a lot of '90s MTV era shows of like people living in an apartment together and trying. I, the the yeah. names of those shows escape me. Uh, this is not of my time nor of the sort of stuff that I normally watch. But um, it's done in like 15 vignettes. It's not. There is somewhat of a story to it, but there really isn't. And it's yeah. all these different takes about their lifestyle, what they do the things that they encounter, things behind a camera, the way that they take care of themselves, um, not just in like a physically intimate sense, but also just because like they have to work, they deal with parents that are, you know, not for them. And I mean, this is in 1993. So like, you're just coming out of things like the satanic panic. You're coming out of really the height of the HIV AIDS crisis where, I mean, even in the movie, it does show how, you know, PSA is about how AIDS kills and things like that, which at yeah. the time, you know, still very much a death sentence. And, uh, you know, they're just trying to manage their life. And it's very much the kind of discourse that you would hear today about quite a few things where, you know, there's just like, oh, this disease that really only attracts like needle users and, uh, you know, those who aren't straight. It's just like it seems like a televangelist born again Republican wet dream. And it's just <laughs> a lot of the sort of slight. And I mean, these were all actors. This wasn't just like they picked up six, you know. Uh, gays and lesbians off of the street to film them. I know there are other movies that have done that, but yeah, it, it was uh, an interesting series of vignettes looking at things like coming out, intimacy, and how that operates. Um, yeah. The only thing that felt remotely unbelievable is that the lesbians and the gays would get along as well as they did in the movie. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, there was a time though. I think because of the AIDS crisis, where they said that the lesbians they sort of were. Um, helping like with tertiary care of uh, AIDS victims back in, but in California, it's a very California specific thing. Oh yeah. That, I mean the 405 yeah. gets mentioned. There are numerous LA shots where it's like yeah. late night or early 1990s LA skyline where it's so hazy and dirty. And they're just like, yeah, this is our life. And they're sort of in like, that's kind of squatter squalor, but in various different houses throughout the film, whether they're at their family or a place that they own or a place that they're squatting in as they try yeah. and just make do with relationships and stuff like that. Yeah. And what's very interesting is that um, there's a number of, so the film, all three films, they're basically meant to denote the sort of on a post-apocalyptic or an apocalyptic vibe or a pre-apocalyptic vibe where society is basically collapsing. There's always the looming threat. I mean, there, there is this one YouTuber that did the only review I could find on YouTube was this one a particular you can find the whole film on youtube that's where i watched yeah, it yeah 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 uh, um you this one trans youtuber talking about the doom generation uh but no it, it, there is a looming i know i know um there's a looming threat of like the outside and like you know uh homophobia and 
a G word bashers, you know, well, they, they used to call them F slur bashers back in the day. Um, and there's also, don't worry, they make an appearance in the other movies. Yeah. Ex yes, exactly. And this one as well, because one of the, the gay men gets beaten up by a group of them after they, and don't tell me how I know who this person is. Okay. I mean, nothing by it, but, uh, <laughs> It played a speech on television, which I can't believe in California they would play this even back then. A speech by J.B. Stoner, who was a member of a certain a certain group with hoods back in the day, who ran for, like, I believe either Senate or Governor in Georgia. And the only reason I know about this guy is because he was on Wally George's hot seat back in the day. And you can like only find the clip on bitch shoot. And he's like, and Wally George's like absolutely like as a Reaganite, he's like absolutely disgusted at his like incredibly like racist, uh, homophobic politics. And Oh, <laughs> like, uh, so this guy was a member of the certain hooded people. Um, and yeah, and they played the, and so throughout each film, What's very interesting is there's banners and advertisements everywhere with messages of the end time. One of them in totally effed up was, um, what does it say here in my notes? Um, the lifestyles of the bored and disenfranchised. The end is near, um, you know, uh, AIDS, you know what to, you know, who dead, right? The, I believe that they even knew about the A.Y. at Man comic back in the day. Uh, but so um, it very much follows this. It's I'm, like, don't get me wrong. They're incredibly nihilistic films because they're following around teenage wastos around so, uh, California and sort of like falling on the, the underdregs of society. But each film progressively gets more higher budget. So by the time you get to the last film, which is Nowhere you get this like every single youth trope of the MTV generation, every like hyper fabulized kitschy teen exploitation schlock right down to the industrial and grunge and, and uh, Briar girl soundtrack to like the semi Baz Luhrmann, like Romeo plus Juliet set design, like the aesthetic. Oh, yeah. like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's hyper surreal in that instance yeah. where it's just, uh, every there's an alien abducting and eating people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's every, every 901 or every what 90120. I don't know what the zip code is. But every trope of that MTV show is there in, in all yeah. three of these films. Even in, even in this one, where it's sort of like straight out of something Matthew Fox would have done, but now it's, it's just like more the, focused on you know. It's like the, the real life, yeah. Yeah, the real life, but <laughs> yeah. it's the real gay life of the <laughs> 1990s. Yeah. And, you know, there it's the coming, like, you know, they're all, it's an incredibly nihilistic film. Uh, somewhat, I mean, all this nihilism is still here. I feel like, what was this, like, 1993? So, I yeah. mean, yeah. people that were just coming of age in the 1990s and those that can remember it. So, like, you know, really late, late Gen X, maybe early millennial, this sort yeah. of stuff coming in here where, yeah, I mean, that nihilism hasn't left us in the, the 30, almost 30 years since that film has come out. And the thing that kind of stuck out me the most is like in each of these vignettes, it's about different problems, whether it's yeah. like intimacy issues about like what, like it's sort of like the, the porn brain is definitely already there where like two, yeah. one of the couples is complaining about not wanting to do things because the camera has to be on at all times. Yeah. Uh, others yeah. just, you know, there was one of the vignette clips where it's like, it's my party. And then things like I'll inseminate if I want to. 
playing off the trope of, you know, oh, I remember that. and I'll cry yeah. if I want to. Yeah. And they're just complaining about like, you know, oh, heterosexuality is boring and your, your basic sort of like mental, I would say just the, the things that one would sell to themselves in this like exclusive minority community. And it was just funny. Cause like, I went to go see um, Elvis not too long ago. Oh yeah. And um, they're canceling Elvis right now, by the way. Oh, are they now? Okay. They're well, appropriating black musicians. Well, I mean, they made that as clear as day in that movie. I mean, geez, the wheeze. But <laughs> I, I mean, the the thing that I, I had the most complaint about, and this is why I just like the fact that I can torrent or like look fine movies on streaming these days, is that I don't have to sit in a movie theater where, you know, like I'm, I'm going sitting in this movie theater and it's a bunch of boomers that want to see Elvis. Obviously. First, first movie trailer that comes out is this film called Bros, which is this, oh, oh it's about, it's all gays. And it's about, you know, this like, um, gay couple trying to get together one's like really like your kitsch sort of you know feminine style and the other one is like a much more hyper masculine bro as the film goes mm. but like the film opens up with all these like this like pride center or like gay history thing in california they're all arts in new york and they're all arguing over their own sort of uh tendencies and then just like you know the straights had their time you know that was fun while it lasted and it's like you can hear that attitude dripping from yeah. this film as yeah. well totally effed up it's definitely uh, something there. But I think I would challenge it, though. I think that totally effed up. It was a more of an honest depiction because I think that in some ways, especially how the film ends, it sort of highlights the weird uh, insular nature of these fringe communities. I mean, very much still was a fringe at the time in 1993, although it was being more popularly you know, normalized. And I think that it, gives some kind of like really honest like Gregor Aki like he gives a very honest picture into the destitution of course like half of it is blaming external forces like you know homophobia and and uh xenophobia and so forth but the other half is kind of like there's an inability to tr achieve true intimacy among them like for like there's even what was really funny is that there was the one um video uh vlog uh thing by uh, the lesbian couple where the one she's going actually into like explicating uh you know spandrel's iq shredder <laughs> like all the dumb people are having kids and all the cool people are not having kids um but it's funny because there is a lot of pure onanism and sterility here purposefully because they are kind of living in the end times in a lot of ways like the way that all these signs and all of these you know, motifs are affirming that, but also like th there's this one scene where the two guys, instead of, uh, you know, going at each other, they're looking at a, you know, a, a prawn film and, uh, you know, it, it very much is, you don't have a lot of gratuitous sex in this film. I notice there, there is almost an inability to achieve intimacy there, which I find fascinating. Whereas I think if you watch like a LGBT film, like this bro one today, it's like total triumphalism. There's no tact. There's no self-reflection. There's only like, you know, the mess. Yeah, I mean, th this felt more like yeah. a confession rather than perhaps, you know, what we see today where like, you know, the, the subject of like bed death is definitely talked yeah. about where mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. there's a whole bit about what they want to do in the bedroom. And he's just like, well, I don't want to do that. He's like, well, maybe I should just leave. He's like, yeah, maybe you should um to where like it it's almost like oh who had this someone on twitter had a, had a good take about this i think it was billy pratt where he was just like when sex becomes your whole personality like you'll go to all the ends of the earth to accomplish it 
And, um, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's kind of what it felt like here, where it's just like it was a very rather in-depth look at what these things are, like, you know, relationship issues. How do you communicate your needs to someone? And like he's venting to one of the, the lesbians in the film where he's just like, well, he doesn't do the things that I want. She's like, well, you need to be more forceful about it. And it's just like a very realistic look at the at yeah. those, but also the nihilism of it, because like when you're basing like the film really itself is based around identity and then your own desires and so yes um, yeah. when your own desires aren't being accomplished or achieved like you sort of achieve that sort of uh coom brain nihilistic outlook where like well then what else is there to do or what else is there to live for and it's also you know this sort of in the back of your mind you talk about the end times but it's also like the end of an era right like yeah. they're just coming out yeah. of the satanic panic and aids crisis but they're also just coming out of the fact that like the end of the millennia is like right there right exactly yeah yeah to quote the band sanctuary um was the 80s just a time of spoiled innocence now that the new millennium is here uh i think that that's very great observation i think that um it it doesn't like i said it doesn't have the same messaging because this was pre trying to um the, the sort of the the way that the civil rights movement was became complicated in the 1990s because you started to feel what Baudrillard called the like after the orgy push of like pure exhaustion and subversion really wasn't what it used to be and the fact that they it was still before they tried to like totally like you know normalize everything and and put it as like you know this is the new chic thing it allowed for a space for that confessional. And, you know, here's the thing. I'm going to get, you know, get the trads pissed off at this. But I do think that some of it is warranted. I do think that people, as much as I've come harshly critical of things like uh, soft white underbelly, I do think that there is, um, there should be in a way, an honest depiction of certain things, either through the medium of the work of art or cinema or literature of these, um, you know, precarious groups. And I do think that, you know, the, the one YouTube reviewer that reviewed Doom Generation, which we're going to cover next, said like, well, there's always that looming threat of fascism and gay bashing and blah, blah, blah. But like, really, yes, that's true. But at the same time, it's like, it's still depicting largely young, largely sexually ambiguous youths in a state of decay. So that in, in itself, it's like... I mean, all three of these films are set in a place of decay. Like, not yeah, a single yeah. one of these things is done in sunny, shiny suburbia. It's done in, you know, like shady movie theaters or, you know, malls that are beginning to slowly empty out. Like, it is just not in any post -industrial way... Post-industrial Yeah, it's all post-industrial. Yeah. It's all post and this is, yeah. you know, in, in the backdrop, right, of the 1990s about, like, the World Trade Organization protests, like, yeah. NAFTA, like, there is this undercurrent of, like, things are only just starting to get bad, and things yeah. have not yet accomplished any sort of, like, strategic victory. And, I mean, this is at a time, right, where, um, like, for, like, homosexuality in media, at least in television, right, because, I mean, this is clearly, like, a trope of, like, you know... Uh, a lot of MTV shows and just oh, like, yeah. people living together, almost like a gay big brother in a way, right? But yeah. without the yeah. competition or voting people off. And it, there is this sense of, well, you know, you've just kind of like, you're in the end times, this waste zone where there's still a lot of public service announcements about HIV. There's still all sorts of ways about, you know, how to, it affects everybody. It's safe. 
Um, and this is at a time when in media, really the last, like the biggest culture, this is before Will and Grace and mm-hmm. the last big I was going to mention Will and Grace, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say like the thing that really had it out there that was um, really big on like homosexuality, at least that I can think of off the top of my head was like um, Three's Company. And that's yeah. played for laughs, you know, a straight guy yeah. playing as gay in order to, you know, be in a, a single sex apartment complex with two women. So, I mean, this is definitely a more intimate look and it feels very confessional. Yes, where, very like, these are what these groups actually do go through, which is, you know, uh, yeah. someone's dad beating the living crap out of them for coming out or um, just the simple fact that, you know, these these relationships do really depend on like one of the characters says it. So he's like, I fall in love every five minutes or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the best part about living on hell on earth is like the, like, you know, five seconds of bliss that comes with, you know, sexual release. Oh my God. Oh, that's so again, like the Billy Pratt quote, like that's, Oh, that's yeah. brutal. <laughs> There's this, that's why yeah. I was like, this is a really confessional film and you don't get a lot of those these days where everything is very highly romantic or done in ways that I think are more palatable to a wider audience. But I mean, like if you look up how this film was made, it's like him behind the camera. It's it's literally Iraqi behind the camera directing one PA guys, you know, these actors and all of it was done without license or union approval for anything. And so just very grunge, very underground and Joe in essence, ninety-five yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah, and it's just um, definitely, definitely uh, far more realistic, I think, than what you see in a lot of places. Oh yeah. Um, in, in today's movies, modern cinema, family, modern yeah. family. I mean, none of that stuff gets talked about in depth like this film does it, which is why it's like a really brutally honest confessional. Yeah. Yeah, is is it a lo-fi horror? Uh, no. <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe. Um, what was one one last thing is that what's very interesting is that throughout the film they're playing, um, they're playing like they're like the one time they're like in they're together and I believe I forget which park there is there in uh in in L.A. I know that Venice Beach comes up in uh, nowhere. Um, where they're playing uh they're reading this like incredibly ba- no i'm not gonna say it. like incredibly hair-raising like anti-gay screed by some preacher and there's yeah, always- and, and but it's in the newspaper yeah but it's in the newspaper exactly which for like realistically i think even in 93 they probably would have kayfabe that they they wouldn't have you know maybe if you re- read like i don't know if you were in certain parts of america certainly because there is like this very heavy like almost american gothic like end times preacher you know talking the about the is nigh, yeah the, the degeneracy of society is dooming us everything to, is uh, sodom and gomorrah yeah i mean like everything <laughs> that they were i mean they were reading that in a, i mean there are probably some newspapers out in the middle of nowhere america that could still get away with publishing that but oh, i can't imagine yeah, yeah. post reagan california ever being like that at all but no no you know but, i mean california yeah. elected bill clinton for god's sake you know i mean even then right it's different oh did then, he did they elect bill clinton I'm, pretty sure not i'd have to double check so chat can correct me if i'm wrong but i mean this was at a time when like the politics of the area was definitely changing i don't think that but maybe i mean right this is still an era of like donahue and yeah a lot of the shock jock stuff is still out there this is when you know rush limbaugh is really beginning to rise meteorically and so maybe in california they had wally george yeah like the shock like wally george hot seat go to youtube after this and watch some wally george it's like if you take 
It's like if you were to take Jerry Springer and combine him with Bill O'Reilly, that's like that's well, that's what I this is why that's why I like Morton Downey Jr. so much. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. But I'll have to look up Wally George. Yeah. Um he had more he hated Morton Downey Jr. famously, and he had him on. And they started like imagine like two of like conservative like trash TV pundits like going at it. It was hilarious. But uh, there was this one line before before we go uh to the end of the film where the one the the uh, african-american gay gentleman the, the only Af- one of the only african-americans in this said something about how he's he lem- he, he actually is he's um he likes how things are not quote-unquote like the old days in terms of gay culture meaning in the 1980s and the look, 70s and 80s he sort of said you know and, and it alludes to i think what was the positive aspects of the new queer cinema in the 90s where it sort of opened up that space for the confessional. It opened up the space for um, LGBT, uh, you know, youths to have like- There was no coded language. Exactly. There's no coded language, but there was also, I think, a different expression of their own gayness as opposed to the 1970s and 80s, where it very much was the bathhouse machismo. uh, And he even says the words like- He says cruising. Like that gets mentioned Yeah, fisting. Yeah, yeah. And- and so he's like saying that maybe it's better nowadays that we don't have like these older, like ultra hair raising affectations of, uh, which there still is, by the way, you know, that there was that one thread on Twitter about the, I can't say on YouTube, the, the current, uh, the current biosecurity thing that's going around, uh, you know, <laughs> you know. The the pit the pit. No, never mind. Never mind. No, 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 never mind. Never. You Twitter had to delete it by the way. <laughs> Things but the any, dogs can get apparently we'll say that yeah exactly yeah 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 so uh but the end of the film james duvall's character uh and heroes sunsets by drinking a cocktail of uh, chemicals and uh going into a pool and really the film ends up kind of even nihilistically it's really there was it, it very much was a um it probably was a lead up to doom generation but it very much was like a, an ending that isn't satisfying in any regard, I think, you know? Well, yeah. And I mean, this, I think there is a lot of alt media that isn't just explicitly like queer cinema. There's a lot of media in the 1990s that focuses on youth. That wasn't always like, I mean, even mainstream stuff. I mean, even the most worst, like the worst kind of depictions of just like middle American lifestyle, like American beauty, and yeah. other products of like the late 90s, early 2000s, like that whole decade really does illustrate, I think, Pleasantville, a lot of <laughs> Pleasantville right? Like all these films yeah. are trying to depict the nihilism of middle America when there are so many other problems that are going on in the backdrop that you're supposed to just accept and not be able to do anything about it, which I mean, writ large, there is a lot of things that you can't do about it. I mean, despite the massive protests in Seattle, I mean, there's a really great like docudrama film about that. I think it is called war in Seattle. It's really good. Hmm, And, um, but I mean, despite all that, right, like you're now coming to a rapidly different era where it's not just you turn on Oprah or Donahue and listen to like the televangelist or the home shopping channel. Although that does come up on, on this movie yeah, uh, on the TV where they're looking at diamonds and stuff. And um, it's like, well, you know, it's post-industrial, it's grungy. I mean, this is at a time where even this isn't where grunge isn't even a thing, but like the culture at the time is really a reflection of nihilism and it does cover not just like the mainstream will cover, I think a lot of the sort of straight nihilism there, but also 
yeah. same time, right? There's also the right. uh, the the same thing with like it was also like a very diverse for this film of like, yeah. I mean, it's mainly white, yeah. but you have one I think he's Asian or Hispanic and one black guy. Um, and a, I mean, for that, I mean, it was just a very interesting cross section at a time before really intersectional thinking was everywhere. Because I yeah. mean, what yeah. what comes is a big civil rights push in the 1990s. It was the ADA, and then you started creeping your way closer <laughs> and closer and closer. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I wonder if that is the case. Uh, Geo, was that why we we're watching these movies? Oh, maybe. I mean, she she was looking pretty smoking back. Oh, she day. was. Yeah, absolutely um, stunning. In yeah, film, similar to also. Art Linkletter, Slackers, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and it's I funny because in nowhere, the chick from um not 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 what's her name uh the main one um from american beauty what's her name uh oh god i forget her name but the other one the smoke the the hot one that uh you know that that kevin spacey's character wanted she's also in um nowhere uh yeah but anyways um no that's a great take actually so and i i think like the fact that it does play with like the postmodern cinema technique of using the text as a way of framing narrative directly because in all three films, text creeps up everywhere, booming messages. This is the end. Uh, I don't care anymore. Like you name it like, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm just reading the comments by the way, Sneed those super chats. Super chats are enabled. You cheap. Pe- never mind. Never mind. Please give me your money or a manual typewriter. Your only hope for the future. There's yeah. a really. I was watching a documentary about him actually. Um, oh about really? Targeted yeah. individuals about Francis E. Deck, and I. I would love to cover his rants one of these days. Yeah, that one. Yeah, well, we could do that next episode. Yeah, just, uh, the more I, I read them, I'm just like, mm, you know. <laughs> yeah, I did a whole Theory Cell episode with Jeffrey Schollenberger on Outsider oh, Theory. Um, awesome. Let me link it, actually. Let me find it. Um, I'm actually in, in uh, I'm actually in the process of um, going through all of my different podcast appearances and, like, putting them in, like, one Substack article, like an archive. Yeah, I know ZHP did that, but I think it would probably be easier on my. Um, it would be easier on my uh, link tree to do that. Let me look up. I, this is bothering me. I can't believe I forgot her name. What's apparently American Beauty's been viciously canceled nowadays. Do you know that, Brood? Like I didn't American, know. I it's mean, Thora Birch. It, Thora Birch. That's who I'm referring to. Thora Birch. Yeah, Thora um, Birch. American Beauty. It's not woke enough. It's not acceptable. It doesn't treat homosexuality with a proper tact. It's filled with tropes of 90s youth culture that is very problematic, very white. Can't have that, you know? So American Beauty was like this subversive piece of celluloid, kind of like Pleasantville, not as bad as Pleasantville. But nowadays, by the standards of current wokeness, totally canceled. There's this big, long Huffington Post article about it. I did not know. I mean, I... Yeah. <laughs> I but, it, you know, it's okay. Pleasantville and Deliverance are still totally acceptable. So, I mean, yeah. heaven forbid the actual predator, Kevin Spacey, in a film acting like a predator. Uh, you know. <laughs> you, heaven forbid we cancel that. You know. <laughs> 
that's just uh oh, nuts but yeah, yeah no. nuts. i didn't know that they were after or canceling that i um but yeah i mean they say it's clunky it's out of depth it's not like proper you know oh it's out of depth you don't want to watch a video of a plastic black bag flying in the air for the last final shot <laughs> i gotta admit though i'm a sucker for american beauty i love that 90s cinema man like i that the, it, yeah, even nowhere gave me nostalgia for the mtv generation um oh I, man i mean but it, the one thing is subversive as that film is and others like it is that there is just this sort of unending nihilism that does exist yeah. with um sort of sub suburban culture yeah yeah and even like the the end of nowhere which we'll get to ends on a very kafkaesque note by the way we'll get to it um yeah. but i wonder though it's sort of like nowadays how people talk about like to go after the trad larpers they'll uh talk about the 1950s like uh that meme of like um i'm secretly you know i'm on i'm on uh meth and i'm on this and blah 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 like you know yeah, that i'm secretly gay yeah but i mean it's all and i talked about that in the im article where it was yeah. just like how many people get like sucked into the simulacra of what the 1950s was because i mean yeah. it's all, all on both ads, sides by the way on both sides I mean, both, both sides do it and i mean like yeah. you guys are fighting over these like handcrafted drawn images of americana made up by a bunch of kooks in madison avenue like this is yeah. not the political fight that you think that you're having um yeah exactly that's that's a great point actually and and the thing is though about um that sort of uh that that sort of um the, the critique of the 50s it mimics the critique of the way in which culture went in the 1990s against suburban america um you know the simpsons was ostensibly the beginning of the simpsons was that well um, it was a it was also yeah. just a, a flipping of the media that was on in the 1980s because and yeah in my, that's what it is yeah, yeah, I yeah mean, exactly. well think about it all this like suburban flipping over what are you really making fun of you're making over tv shows like 30 something you're making over the fact that like um you know and it doesn't ever talk about the struggles that came out of like the late 80s and 90s with like the savings and loan crisis and yeah. things like that none of that gets addressed yeah. um post vietnam so just... boomer generation as well like that yeah 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 um so the ending of it all this film in particular more than the other ones deals with the uh the and hero question because i do notice that when i was a kid and maybe you were a bit too young for this it's sort of like the the and hero question was very prominent it very much was about like cyber then cyberbullying came out like the, the, the sort of the other moral panic of the millennial generation this mm -hmm. is but the anheroing and the anorexia the body image thing very much generation x still the millennials retained it but now it was taking place in the online world especially here in canada you know the amanda todd girl you know so uh yeah. it's there so th but in this film there is that theme because there was that recognition of the abnormally high rates of uh sunsetting among you know, well, yeah, people. I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, the 1990s sort of like American um, pediatrics, but also the American Psychological Association did a lot of work on, um, well, not to use the word explicitly, but say, you know, sunsetting or and hero contagion, how one person will do it. It's publicized yeah. and people are inspired to do it. Um, in America, though, a lot of that focus was more so on bullying and I yeah. mean, everything post Columbine was about shootings. 
And yeah. so, I mean, America's cultural focus, I mean, yeah, body stuff was definitely brought up, but I mean, it was more about, you know, things like autism. We're losers. Baby. Yeah. We're losers, you know, and yeah. making sure that, you know, they don't start playing pumped up kicks when they go to school, you know, <laughs> um, they don't start playing little dark cage. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so that's nothing changes because Hey, all that stuff that, you know, uh, time's a flat circle, you know? Yeah. 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 But see, this is why I, this is why we're a good team because I can talk about what was going on in the cultural scene and you of course can land it in the sort of politics and the political, uh, the geopolitical history of the time. And I think that's, uh, makes a good mix. So this, uh, so you wanted to take the lead with doom generation. This is oh, yeah. film number I... two doom generation. This is oh, the more man. popular one. Get my notes. <laughs> this came out in 95 I think. uh yeah your i was born uh, oh wow so i was i was about uh i want to say film as old, old as me yeah so um yeah so this stars uh who played um james duvall rose mcgowan no, yeah, rose mcgowan uh james duvall and then the let me just look up the third guy because xavier's name is uh jonathan I cannot pronounce that last name. Sage, Sage, Skage. Anyways, plays Xavier. Yeah, I think he was in pop dramas or something. I think so. Yeah. He he's been in other stuff, but um, so I mean, this film is uh really just this like narrative of things. It's a dark comedy first and foremost. <laughs> like it's if it if it, you don't notice it, it will hit you over the head with it so fast. Yeah. But um, James Duvall and Rose McGowan are this like couple. And this is probably the most red pilling of all three of the films because it's just like women cause problems end of discussion. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and another thing to yeah, oh, go ahead. Go for so, it. No, I was going to say really quickly that all three films begin with industrial music and with shoegaze. The, the yeah. soundtracks, because this is MTV generation, the sound and to this, I mean, still when we were kids with emos and goths and, you know, then later hipsters, but the, the soundtracks are very important because I think the inability to have direct intimacy is because you're feeling these things through both, you know, pornography and of course the, the soundtracks, the music, there's always shoegaze, there's always industrial. Um, and very much as like, if you watch the Chris Ott review, the, the, when he left pitchfork, he did these vlogs. He talked mm. about the history of shoegaze, how it's like, you know, something so beautiful that these teens can bear to even like look at each other. Because there is, you know, sealed up in the rooms. You know, this is very much after, like, the masculine 1980s, you know, pop and, uh, uh, you know, hardcore and, like, you know, what punk developed after, you know, very much masculine-orientated. But what were all the sad boys and in, in femcells going to do? And they had here shoegaze. they are. Here they are. They had shoegaze and industrial. And so the film, in, the film Doom Generation... I believe opens up with nine inch nails, but fun fact, sure. the, the Austrian painter enthusiast group that harasses them in the film was actually played by skinny, the band skinny, um, the band skinny puppies, the famous industrial group from Canada. So, you know, yeah. Uh, so the, yeah, go ahead, go the, ahead. The, the, job, yeah. Opens up in this, uh, like shady warehouse like, party, house party, 
and she's selling drugs and like she tells some like guy to like sawed off as she's like looking for her skull lighter which that'll appear later don't you worry mm-hmm. and uh we see james duvall and this is where you get the sad boy feminine style character uh your proto simp if you will yeah um, he very much has the whiny like not whiny but like the very like the the effeminate soft-spoken like very happy to be with a girl and puts her up on a pedestal and is willing to do anything for her kind of like i can click by the way oh no i can't mention drama (laughs) oh well sorry sorry anyways uh in in his simpery right (laughs) they i totally uh, just shaded on i can click but you know he deserved it he skeeved on me he blocked me he said i was a degenerate you know what i can click you can go never mind never mind go ahead God. Oh my! God. Oh my! So, anyways, <laughs> uh, these there are a lot of things about both masculinity, sexuality, and also like just political culture that I think is definitely worth diving into. This I will just get it out of the way. Rose McGowan in this film is an absolute stunner. Oh my yeah. gosh! I'm not gonna lie. Um, but like one review said, also she don't don't things. don't watch any of these films with like you know um uh, with either a the you know very loudly or b I mean just watch them with yeah. people. <laughs> Very graphic and uh, just a lot of sex on all three of them. But um, yeah, it's and Rose McGowan mixes like smoke show, but like a very like standoffish, like mean girl type of. Yeah, uh, standoffish, yeah. mean girl. But like if push came to shove, she would and she does and she'll leave people yeah. for dead. Um, but so like, you know, they, they pick up this like drifter. Uh, his name's Xavier, whom James Duvall's character, I think his name is Jordan, calls him X, you know, affectionately. And mm-hmm. like, there's this sort of boyish innocence in James Duvall's character, where you'll see it throughout the film, where it, and it leads to sort of this open-ended ambiguity with his sexuality. But um, you see two contrasts of men here. You see one whom is far more extroverted. He's built different. He's far muscular, taller. He's got the you know he's got the Chad jawline going. Yeah. Whereas James Duvall is playing a sort of the soft-spoken, feminine character. Well, like anything you want. And um, you're doing and it, pretty and good, shows. actually. <laughs> and and it shows between the two of them, um, because later on, despite the fact that um, Rose McGowan's character, Amy, um, is, you know, she doesn't like Xavier at all. The two end up sleeping together while, yeah. you know, he's out doing his own business, uh, James Duvall's character. And but you see the two differences in men here that Amy's putting up with uh, James yeah. Duvall he's in in all the in in all there's plenty of sex that happens throughout this film oh yeah and um one of the scene like in all the sex scenes that amy and james duvall have together um he's on he's um the bottom he's he's you know she's on top of him she's doing all of the work and every time that she's with xavier he's doing all of the work he's acting like a man in this situation or at least in that instance he's very much the very much possessed guy like yeah. yeah reject yeah yeah but uh the the all this adventure starts off because they picked him up from you know uh, a, a fight and things like that and after they tried getting together intimately and to which you know jordan's character can't get it up um but they go and pick up some snacks at like a at a 7-eleven ancient store owner feels kind of you know uh relevant to today's politics in a lot of yeah. ways but yeah. They don't have the money, which coughs up to six dollars and sixty-six cents. That plays throughout the film. Um, you know, six six six, yeah, yeah, six yeah. six six plays throughout the entire film. And uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, like Xavier like swarms in when the Asian store owner pops up with a shotgun to take care of it. And all of a sudden, shot goes off. The Asian store owner's head ends up on top of like some hot dogs and guacamole. 
starts talking. For, I mean, it felt straight out of um, Reanimator, right, with the talking yeah. head and just, blah, yeah. blah. and it's just um, <laughs> that Jeffrey Combs is so fucking funny in that movie. But uh, if I recall, it, there was messages, there's billboards in the convenience store of like the apocalyptic nature. Oh yeah, I mean, there. I think there's also one about there's like a billboard later on. I think when they're on one of the highways that talks about like the rapture is coming. Um, so yeah. like, there's, there's a lot of like apocalyptic feeling and it's done in like fairly shady parts of town where like, you know, this is a place where you lock your doors. And, um, so that really is what starts to set things off. And so, you know, like they're trying to recover from all this. Amy's in the bathtub and eventually like James Duvall gets in there, but James Duvall character before he goes into the bathroom has the weird, like very sexually charged moment with Xavier but yeah, it gets interrupted by like, oh, I need like, you know, it's played for last. Like, oh, I got to pee and like gets up and leaves. Um, and he's with, you know, Amy in there. And so we later find out that, you know, they, they think that they get off scot-free, which they don't. Mm -hmm. uh, when mm -hmm. they find out, oh, like the Asian store owner's wife with who watched the whole thing take place and their kids were just like looking the other way. Um, the mom went into some sort of suicidal rage and like took care, took out her whole family and herself. And so he's like, oh, we're good. You know, we're, we won't be considered suspects, but uh, they, they end up becoming that. But throughout this film, they meet all sorts of other characters. Like they go to a drive through and the guy at the drive through recognizes Amy because apparently yeah. they had slept together at some point. He's like, you broke my heart. And like he literally gets out of the uh, drive through window and shoots at their car with a shotgun. Like he wants his revenge and he goes after them for revenge all at the same time that you know, these three characters, Xavier, James, and Amy are all trying to like get along together. You know, it's uh, a thruple as they like to say these days. It's very a thruple. Oh my God. Yeah. Polyamory is a very strong theme in here. And Oh yeah. Well, and polyamory, like cuckoldry and just like bisexuality is female well. promiscuity as well. Cause like yeah, yeah. every encounter that they go into some character, male or woman will like recognize Amy and be like, well, you know, we were together and we had all these feelings and like, um, which also foreshadows really how this like film ends because, yeah. uh, you know. It's funny how based it, Rose McGowan is nowadays exposing Hollywood, <laughs> you know, going on Tucker, but you know. But I mean, in, in this film, right? Like they go to like some bar because like she's thirsty or whatever. And like one of the women who I think is played by, um, oh, I'm trying to remember. Uh it doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head, but like she, um, she goes there and this woman is just like, I'm your slave. Like we, you, I, is this man done something to you? And it foreshadows how the movie ends when she pulls out a fucking katana and is like threatening James Duvall's character with a total emasculation. Yeah. Um, which yeah. again, Xavier comes to the rescue and like gets one. He's of like her... the phallic symbol. It's funny. Cause Xavier yeah. being the man or Z as they call him, uh, they, like there's this one point where Rose McGowan gets pissed off. She's like, wow, are you just a life support system for your dick? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> total, like total, like third wave or thing. To but say. I mean, it's at the hilarious. same time, right? Like throughout the film, she's, uh, she's a mix of like prudish, but incredibly crass. Like anytime that Xavier is far more masculine or anything, he's like, you're just repulsive. You're just disgusting. And yeah, but it's, she says in the way that Rose McGowan says these lines, it's so fucking forced. That it's you just know like, women when it, they it say goes, that they're it, like, it go, they're but it goes in, back yeah. from being 
forced lines to know this is believable because this is how women actually talk and like yeah, yeah. um yeah. it's just yeah. so uh in oh in the God. essence of it being so grunge and indie it's very uh realistic in that fashion of where yeah how money are or how women Gr can be grunge in india it's funny because throughout the film the cinematography of course becomes way better way more higher budget than well yeah um, he's got a budget of almost a million bucks in this film so he's yeah. got like a crew he can actually yeah. hire extras to do things and i mean this allows him to have like props for it because like the guy from the uh um drive-through like comes back to like get revenge and so while like you know james duvall character is sleeping in the other room or in in, in the in their car rose mcgowan is sleeping with xavier like you know just enjoying themselves yeah. Uh, and you know all of a sudden and again a lot of phallic symbology in there because like how does james duvall wake up to this crazy guy with the gun the barrel of the gun is in his mouth in a very like obviously Alex sexual. sexual way yeah um and he's so just that's like, another thing sex and death and all three of them are equated with each other oh yeah very strongly um so yeah then what's interesting though is the landscape of the film the cinematography of it really it's kind of weird because it's like a declining America. It's sort of like foretelling in a way. Because, but it's all in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. All but it's LA. Like, like there still is things like convenience stores and like fast food joints. It seems that they live off of this stuff because they're basically like teen wastos driving around California. But it's like they live in hotel rooms in their car. But it's like America is almost like half collapsed at this state. Like half post industrialized reminds me of though in a lot of ways. Like since we're talking about like these like mid nineties, early two thousands, like counterculture. Like there's a there's a Decemberist song which oh yeah I know. Um, mm. <laughs> there's sort of confession of bands I like. Um, oh, there's a song though called on the bus mall, and it's it it has a lot of like motifs and fe feeling of the same stuff here in this movie because like. In, in the song, they'll talk about, like, you know, just, like, selling themselves, pulling tricks, and stashing away their bucks to live in hotel rooms where they sleep in on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, whereas these guys are pretty much doing the same. They're peddling drugs. They don't have any money. They're just, like, getting by. They're screwing around because there's no one else to do. They get wasted all the time. And, like, you know. They live off of gas station food. <laughs> yeah, they live off of gas station food, hot dogs, beer, selling, you know. And it's just the same sort of stuff that a lot of the sort of like mountain very loose sexual December, yeah loose sexual more all the sort of stuff that you hear from music like from john darniel or colin malloy like that culture is still very much alive yeah uh, even today a lot of hipster music nowadays yeah. yeah yeah and so um but this film like embodies it in a very realistic fashion to where you know that ambiguous loose sexual morals like even though she doesn't like him like it's that sort of like when a guy acts like a jerk and the woman like like it's a very like you know very confessional yeah. sort of red pilling movie in that but way this is like actual low life stuff this is not like oh, yeah. your pastiche of like living in like williamsburg and like you know this is like Th this isn't call me by your name this is like someone <laughs> this is not call me by your name this is basically yeah. just like these are the wastos of life the runaways the people that said screw you mom and dad we're gonna live on our own and like there's even a point where like the parents do get mentioned i mean xavier changes his story about his parents all the time about like yeah. oh they've been dead oh i fought one of them oh i like beat one of them to death he's uh, always this like lonesome drifter with a different story for whoever he's with whereas like you know james duvall's character is just like oh you know i got a I gotta go call my mom and dad. And let them know I'm on vacation. Oh man, yeah. This is, uh, 
this is bad. Um, you know, the, the answering machine wouldn't let me talk to him. And, uh, and, and so the, the film goes on and eventually they're like running away because, you know, they've had an experience with, you know, the, the decapitated Asian store clerk at 7-Eleven, the crazy guy at the drive-thru, and then their crazy lady at a bar, which, you know, um, gives us some foreshadowing for how the movie ends with emasculation. And then at the same time, like, they find some, like, industrial park or, like, yeah, um, warehouse to, like, sleep in. And they, you know, they have at it. They have a, you know, freeway. a bit of a freeway, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but they, they get up and leave. And all of a sudden, the homo fast shows up. Yeah. <laughs> very, you know, very literal, uh, you know, real homo fast. Fashy boys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm talking the old school ones, not yeah, like nowadays. Old, old school buff dudes with a certain Hindu symbol of peace um, yeah. painted on their chest. Uh, you know, they beat up everybody and they, you know, and they're played by skinny puppy, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they have their way with Rose McGowan uh, on an American flag while, you know, doing the Pledge of Allegiance with the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, my God. This is so like, edgy. So, the, the, yeah, the, 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 you know, clearly like, you know, it's the it's the straight white patriarchy coming in like the, you know, red blooded American males hating their, you know, doing some old fashioned bashing. Um, it's basically the vision of like uh i'm trying to think of a blue check who would think like that. it's basically like what Vouch thinks is going to happen in two years so well, yeah i mean it's what everyone yeah. it's what it's how everybody reacted it is how everybody reacted when clarence yeah. thomas and his concurring opinion said that under this logic overfell and all these other cases should be considered and everyone lost their minds over a concurring opinion that many would say is maybe dicta because it's only Clarence Thomas's opinion. It's not the rest of the courts. Right. And so, right, right. you know, uh, everyone's like, oh, my God, they're going to overturn Oberfell. You know, like gays are going to have to speak Kalari again. They're going to have to have their underground bars and saunas or whatever. And so, like, in the 1990s, where that threat is probably a little more apparent. It would be like the 50s where they're forced to, like, go into the the... Yeah. they're forced to cottage right and yeah and then like even here in uh where i live there's a semi-popular mall where i live and uh the in the in my old yeah, band remembers this, in the 60s the paper actually named the guys that were cruising in the mall bathroom stall. yeah like, well i mean that was, nowadays that was with the police arrested even, them and the paper but I mean, like even, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Even Hollywood tabloids in like the 50s, 60s, and sometimes even to the oh, yeah. 70s, they would make sure that any of their like boyish stars or like young men that were like really big with women, any single one of them that was like, you know, um, was gay or got caught at like one of those kind of parties or police raids, they would set them up with women all the time just yeah. to make sure that like yeah. the image of them being heterosexual was still kosher with the public. Despite right the fact that even if they, day, yeah, that was, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, that, that stuff is definitely what, what's out there. But I mean, in this film, right. Like yeah. that, that ever present fear, right. Which I mean, still exists despite the fact that nowadays they kind of won and dominate the culture. They kind of won. Yeah, that's an understatement. I mean, they, they I mean, want. In my country, it's illegal to criticize them. So. Yeah, I mean, and you're. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll try and play nice then, um, so I don't say anything that gets you in trouble. But no, like, but you're right. Like there still is, I think. Um, there's an ever-present threat. It, yeah, it, they kind of had inherited another culture's 
idea that everyone is out to get them at all times, no matter where they are, or how right. secure they are in power. Without, um, yeah, without going into detail. But you know, I don't need to go into details. You know what I'm talking. Yeah, but but what <laughs> but what is funny though is that I I wrote down notes about it. Um, how so the 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 uh, the neo uh, Austrian painters, the fasci goys, they are oddly sympathetic in certain ways in this film because they are creatures of this end times wasted America like everybody else, and they are reacting to the cap the sort of toppling over of the older order by acting as uh, nihilistic and uh, sadistic misanthropes and even like them uh you know rping uh, well them doing certain acts to rose mcgowan on the american flag i know that's like very cheap crass symbology right there but the, like that I think is a symbol of like symbology is like came back in full force after like the Dobbs decision with like all <laughs> the political cartoons or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They had one that the, this is my favorite one of those was just like, they had like the Pope holding a gun to a pregnant statue of Liberty and her that... tablet has the, 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 the Genesis uh, quotation. I think it's like in, in Genesis three or four, where it's about like, oh, if someone like if they've gotten pregnant from whoredom, like let them be burned. And it's just like, oh, Whoa. Like, what, what are the messaging that I'm getting out of this? That you know, the best one was uh, the Trump and the Republican Party holding down. Oh yeah, and, he's like, that one. and Trump's pulling up his pants or whatever right afterwards. Yeah, yeah, you know, that one too. But there was the other one from like 2016 where it was like the Republic. It's like on the arm band Republican Party. The other one's Trump. And they're holding down Lady Liberty to, to oh, do yeah, yeah, yeah. Certain certain terrible certain acts. acts. Yeah. Yeah. So Rose McGowan uh being, you know, but then I forget what happens in the in the fighting. I so, think Xavier um in, in, up, in the uh, fighting, Xavier manages mm -hmm. to freeze free Rose McGowan, but based on what we saw earlier, the foreshadowing comes true and the uh the fasci guys emasculate and put it in uh, James Duvall's mouth. Uh, leaving him for dead, Rose McGowan. Very much Xavier sexual escape. sadism and human oh, yeah. evolution going along. Yeah, so it, they, yeah. they leave him for dead. And the film ends with like Rose McGowan and Xavier just uh, driving in through the middle of the desert. They don't reflect on anything yeah. at all of what's like, happened. He's like, you want a Dorito? Yeah, and that's how it ends. The film literally rolls the credits where he offers her a chip and they just like drive off and that's how it ends. Yeah. And, um, but and there's so much more I, that this film goes into that I think is just really more fascinating. Like the two, the, 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 the two visions of the male one that is sort of this like post-industrial post-Americana, basically like your, your, your proto soy fat, you know, boy here, right? Like he's just very simpish. He's very effeminate. He's like, well, whatever you want. Like it's okay so egalitarian. Soft yeah. Boy, um, yeah. And uh, it, it goes into, you know, the fact that he's passive, he doesn't take action. She lets her do all the work when they're intimate. You know, he's just here for the ride. He's very dumb, played for last. Female-led relationships, I think a that's... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah female-led relationship where it's the woman who's the more crass and yeah. open-minded and open-legged one compared to him who's just happy to have somebody to a point where he and Xavier are alone 
and he has this like weird confessional man to man talk where he's just like but they're like her. like he's laying on the couch and yeah yeah bed, I mean, it's and very he's, sexual it's very, very sexually charged very bisexual yeah vibe right very on. ambiguous yeah. like oh i can be this right you know like yeah. very i can open which again we see that all the time today where like people now act that way or open to that by grooming conditioning um yeah or just because it's popular in the culture where, you know, if I need to be standing out as a white guy, this is what I got to do. Um, which again, there is no progressive role model for straight white men. Um, and to where he asks Xavier's character, well, what's it like? And he's like, well, what do you mean? He says all of the pushing, the work, the thrusting, the sweat, you know, things that are, that happen in the bedroom that, you know, uh, James Duvall's character doesn't experience, but Xavier clearly does. It's almost, it's like the, it's like the meme of like the, the skinny guy in glasses, um, like chatting up in a chat room. And then like the four like roided up, like bodybuilders are like, answering yeah. Will King, you know, like this is what it's really about. That's kind of yeah. what it felt like, but it's yeah. far more, um, sexually charged in that regard because these two could easily sleep together and they do have a threesome yeah later on in the film but like it, to me that was one of the biggest things that hit me was just like the which way western man right are you going to be um xavier you know, are you going to be xavier are you going to be james duvall's like <laughs> emasculated um simp for rose mcgowan um but also right the simple fact that um what is it that these like simpish types go after they do go after more like masculine women, or well, yeah. masculine promiscuous and really just crass not the married type kind of character where yeah. um, Rose McGowan, they're constantly getting in trouble because everywhere they seem to go, Rose McGowan has slept with somebody. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. at no point in time does, uh, James Duvall, decisions. Yeah. you know, right. And at no point in time, does James Duvall's character like stand up for himself or questions it. Nor does he question yeah. it. He just goes along with the fact that his girlfriend's a total fucking whore, you know? Like, <laughs> and he just goes along with it. And I mean, these are things, this, the reason why I thought the Doom Generation is probably the most prominent of the three films. And the one I wanted to talk about the most is because, good God, you see this all the time today in 2022. Yeah. I mean, there are guys that have no problem with their body count of who themselves or their partners. There's no problem with the fact that they're going to run into people that are going to be like yeah bro like here's everything that i still have from her or here she's still talking to me or um or the fact that like they don't care that there are other men out there that can just do what they want but unlike today where i think there's a lot more like self-actualized yeah self-awareness self-actualized awareness of like oh there are other people that are like doing this to me um, where they come up with cope, right? Like I think the kind of more famous example more recently has been from, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, I-dubs and his girlfriend, right? Like, I mean, that's oh, the most prominent God. example. What's her name? Ja I forget her name. Um, but I mean, like where he's like going on camera to defend that his like fiance has an OnlyFans that he paid for, a, a, you know, um, breast implants and things like that. I mean, like, you know, like in, in this situation, I mean, that's the more public in Life of the Rich and the Famous where the attitude of James Duvall's character has manifested itself into the mainstream. And so now the lifestyles of the rich and the famous uh, or even of e-celebrities of our culture today, you yeah. know, the proletariat, lumpen, pro, well, lumpen proletariat culture is now the culture of the bourgeois. And yeah, it's just kind of yeah. depressing, right? Like, it's like that high, low versus middle thing that a lot of us have been talking about lately. I did a video on it where like the, the low culture has to be identifiable or at least um, relatable to the high culture. So now high culture is doing the sort of wasteoid stuff of the 1990s. And that's high culture today. Yeah. 
which only begs the question, well, what is wasteoid culture like now? And I think that that kind of has manifested itself on, on a the lot internet. of internet. Well, well, I mean, like, you know, that's why like incel discourse is a thing. Cause some people associate it as wasteoid culture. I think of it as a symptom of a much larger societal problem, but like all these sort of discourses come out of it. But like the, the, the emasculated James Duvall is the now masculine character for a lot of the, soy fed high culture that we exist in nowadays and it's yeah absolutely just like the inverse here's this grunge indie film about apocalypticism uh promiscuity bisexuality drugs etc and you know actual crime people dying now yeah. that's just part and parcel for everything that we've got going on today and it's including the hate crimes not. and fashy goys yeah yeah <laughs> i mean but now yeah, it's the, much more indirect and internet driven and like you know end towers or whatever <laughs> like it's not yeah. they're not like yeah it's it's very much um mediated through the online which is a point i actually wrote down independently of like what you were saying so um well pre dropped off a bit so about so let's get to some super chats but we have the last film to go uh so for two dollars from uh how do i say that timmy balenciaga I think that's how I put it. I'm very sorry if I mispronounced your name, but thank you very much, my friend. And $5 from Leonard D. Yegera. 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 Oh, man. I'm butchering this. Shake my damn head, Geo. Stop shilling. You patrons give you already enough money. Write a book for a chain. Well, I'm I'm working on it. Uh, listen to Less Friction. Very good alt-rock band. I think I've heard of Less Friction. I'll listen to them, my friend. Um, and yes, I, uh, I'm i very grateful for all my patrons. I think that's probably why I don't get as much Super Chats as Prude over here. But uh, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm to tell you the truth, okay, as much as I love Super Chats just because I have them enabled and it's kind of like, I'm a real YouTuber now. Like, uh, it's, <laughs> I, it's nice to get Super Chats, but I would rather have the consistent patrons there so thank you very much to all my beautiful patrons. A lot of great content coming down the pipe. So uh, yes, um, but Prude, your analysis of Doom Generation, 100% spot on. And I also observed that low culture is the internet online, but the internet online is still being colonized and strip mined by high, you know people on high. Like the Times Squares people. Um, but, you know, no, never mind. No, not going to talk about Times Squares again. But, uh, you know, but I do notice that the way that the influencer class, they're becoming the celebrities of our generation. And they adopt the sort of decadent, low-class California chick, nihilistic chick of these three films. And it's funny, though, because even back then, I would think that we, we have this sort of, like, cyberpunk aesthetic uh retro futurist fantasy of certain elements of the 1990s but these youth cultures very much were kind of cut off from the majority of like middle class like you know heartland americana like you you pretty much had to be an urbanite to enjoy well, yeah certain I mean, even back what, what's the phrase right like where goes california goes america yeah and so like yeah. what emerges out of a post-industrial post-reagan 1990s 2000s america well i yeah. mean that's that's the dominant culture now and i mean it's kind of funny like i don't i know you probably don't want to talk about dime square or anything like that but yeah it's, just go like, ahead. it's okay but it's like the transgressive nature of the yeah. online low culture 
which for all intents and purposes is right wing, right? That's what attracts, I think, a lot of this stuff where, um, uh, you know, it's politics is kink. Oh, this is transgressive. Oh, this yeah, is politics spicy. is kink. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, no, like, what did they call M. Crumbs? They got it. They they started doing the chant in his article. The T I did not. Chaser. I did not read it. <laughs> yeah, they started calling him a T word chaser. You know, they like th this was. I mean, this is. I think it's not like okay. I don't mean to insult anyone because I hope one day I could go on. I could get uh, Anna to you know, <laughs> content minded. Um. Uh, but I, <laughs> it very much is sort of like the appropriation of transgression. Although I do think that Anna probably has more of a mind on her. And I think that what she's saying is at least serious, but I do notice that there is a big trend. And I think that I hate to say it, but our friend Curtis Yarvin's at the center of it, the, sort of like the appropriation of transgression, I think, but I don't know. I mean, there are a variety of reasons for that. I think that probably mold bug is a safer bet than, uh, even Bronze Age pervert in some respects, right? Well, like, I mean, what, once you, I think at that point, once you're on, like, you're you're more in front of the media more, you're, yeah. you're on Tucker Carlson. I mean, like, you, uh, he's he's here for for much more, much longer, considerable time. Yeah. To come. And I do think that you know, there's a lot of people that that take issue with his takes or whatever. Yeah. As of late. yeah. Which I mean, um, I, I have a working theory on that, but um, you know, maybe we're like har you know, we're like harbinger pur purchasers, like we're just trying to be shooken off now. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll see, right? I mean, me me it, and Default talk about this as well. We have some theories about that, but uh, yeah, yeah, and I think that well, first of all, just the mere fact that uh, if you like listen, I've I've listened to I think almost every episode of Caribbean Rhythms. I have to catch up. But the fact that like Curtis doesn't have like clips of him like dropping uh dropping N bombs and Z bombs and F bombs, I think that's probably why <laughs> that's you know, that probably helps him, you know. Uh but other reasons too is ideological disposition. But uh I mean you have to, I'm halfway through your great conversation with uh what's his, the writer that was friends with, with Curtis that Oh um, uh um Jeremy Carl from the Claremont Jeremy Institute. Yeah, from Claremont. Yeah, yeah. I'm halfway through that. I think it's a very interesting look um, if you want to post it in the chat. Oh, uh, sure. I can do that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, so doom generation. You liked it the most, you would say. I, I well, yeah. I didn't get to watch all of nowhere, um, I, but uh, of all that I've seen. Yeah, I really did enjoy doom generation because between that one and I, I think that a lot of our sort of um, I think how LGBT culture has changed in the media, like you yeah. will never get another um, show like, or you'll never get another film like uh, totally effed up yeah. um, because that yeah. would require you to be brutally honest in ways that I don't think that the current LGBT discourse or zeitgeist ever would ever allow for. Well, yeah, because if you start being brutally honest about things like, you know, like all of a sudden the narrative that you've propped for yourself is really bad i mean even with the whole you know current situations with like how reddit and twitter are trying to ban certain you know words like yeah in regards to indoctrination and grooming and things like that yeah you know, and they're like okay predator right like you uh, to me it's just like from a cultural and historical political narrative where like you spent such a long time and i mean such a long time trying to bash and change the narrative that no we're not you know predators 
Um, yeah. And I mean, they, I think their, their greatest blessing was all of the stuff that came out with like Catholic church abuse in the early 2000s. That um, was their hate. That was the haven of it. That was, that was, that was their safe. Yeah. That was their safe escape from anything that they had to do. The, the late eighties and early nineties, there was a lot of attention paid to certain uh, traffickings of young boys that Ted Gunderson covered. But by mm -hmm. the time the Catholic church scandals broke out, that was a godsend for the name. Yeah. The I mean, yeah, like any was... sort of talk about them died, yeah. but you know, that it's almost like they can't help. It's sort of, it's sort of like now we're back on teachers and kids. Oh God. Like, yeah. I mean, it's funny how, that whole wholesome uh, propaganda memes, Reddit, wholesome Reddit memes got banned for copyright infringement. But yet people were like the, the absolute worst people on Twitter. They're like, why can't they ban libs of TikTok? And what, what's her name? The woman that runs the, the, yeah. I mean, why can't they ban libs of TikTok? Why can't they ban, you know, I hypocrite. Why can't they ban, you know, other people that are exposing, like it's just Twitter does. I know Twitter got rid of the one infamous, uh, you know, uh, monkey thread about the, yeah. the, the certain pig, you know, um, the, the return to monkey thread. Yeah. 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 I know they had to got, get rid of that one. That was too. And the guys, I, I made the mistake of going to the guy and seeing his pin tweet. It's not what, well, before he locked. Um, it's yeah. Anyways. Um, no, but I do think that, I mean, as much as we talk about this, I, I do think that, um, an honest exploration of it is quite a like is quite endearing in a way. And you do really feel sympathy somewhat for these characters, despite them semi reflecting on their actions. I know James Duvall's characters throughout all three films. Oh yeah. He does reflect upon like even the one part in nowhere, which we're going to get to next. He says like, I'm 18 and already doomed man. Like, cause he sees all of this like violence and um, again, another film where he's cuckolded. Yeah, so, you know, like because the, the character plays. I mean, in, in totally Trump, he doesn't have a boyfriend, and this yeah. film he gets cuckolded and emasculated, and then yeah. in the third film he gets uh, cuckolded once more. Like there's this constant, yeah. and there's also um, a tension with him. This other like Gabe. Yeah, gay guy, I mean, so, it, yeah. It, it, and I mean, but I mean, with the thing with with Twitter though, right? Like the what happened there gets completely overstated in the media. So they're like, yeah. oh, thank God, we can point to the clergy of the Catholic church and not, you know, I mean, that was a godsend to them for the last 20 years. Um, oh yeah. Compared to last the 30 years, years almost. Yeah. yeah last 30 yeah. years almost. And now um, they're just going straight towards, you know, teachers and choirs singing about coming after. And I mean, what's funny though, is it's just like, why can't they go after these people? I'm like, they do all the fucking time. Like how many yeah. times I hypocrite had a channel nuked or a, a strike demonetized or, like that, or, or yeah. demonetized time and time again right you know like um but the the thing that i thought was the funniest thing about that came out of the blue for someone who talks about gender all the time i just it was like the reasonable left came in because here's uh jesse signal complaining about libs of tiktok and it's just like oh, yeah the jesse signal guy he's kind of like i don't know but i'm I, he's that's why i, I said reasonable left yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he's like, sarcastically, just yeah. Uh, Wait, he's like, well, you out, know, yeah. well, yeah. He, he had quote tweeted lives at TikTok, and he says, well, you know, it's easy to, um, take you know, cherry pick their videos or something like that to misrepresent a whole group of people and all that jazz. And it's just like, yeah, all the she's not cherry picking. These people broadcast it themselves. She's just retweeting yeah. for confession. And you have to realize that a lot of the videos on libs of TikTok have some of them have millions of views, not from libs of TikTok on TikTok itself. Oh yeah. A lot of them have millions of plays or at least hundreds of thousands, some of them. So, um, 
it's not a fringe thing. It definitely resonates. I mean, I think that uh, in some ways I can, I'm going to offend people by saying this. Um, in some ways I can sort of agree with that criticism because I, I think as much as like libs of TikTok and I hypocrite are doing a very vital service, I guess like who's the, the other guy calling Flaherty. Um, I do think that there can be a tendency to cherry pick and there can be sort of like a fabulation that comes with like highlighting the debauchery of certain groups. But that being said, I mean like the fact that the, the mainstream is working so hard to suppress this kind of information that's really telling upon itself. Well, but I do, yeah. yeah but I mean, I do think it's, it, the, it, it's the thing about emperors having no clothes. Like, yeah, it's the thing that yeah. Darwin, I think, was really right about. Is like if you were to do that story today, it's not that the kid points out the obvious and then things change. It's that the kid gets brutally murdered. I mean, and yeah. that's what we're that's what we're seeing now. Um, but unfortunately, yeah. Colin Flattery died almost a year ago now. He did. Yeah. Yeah, it was really depressing. Oh, man. Because he was, like, one of the most banned people on the internet. Like, he yeah. had, like, 50 different YouTube channels. Like, he kept... He, I didn't know that he died. Yeah, he had a, he had a long illness, and he, had, oh, he had passed man. away. Um, it was really unfortunate, because uh, yeah. his books are really worth reading. Mm, yeah. But uh, I think my only criticism would be that a lot of this stuff tends towards pessimism, like doom pornography for us like people on our side, but I mean, yeah, that's going to happen. I mean, cause the world is quite depressing. Well, and it, it, it's yeah. funny that we've returned because I mean, these movies kind of highlight, we're talking about this like culture and this like end of an era type deal Yeah, where like yeah. all of a sudden politics seem really charged because you know, there's the culture war is alive again, where a lot of people had felt like there's always these time. It's the never ending um, yin and yang of we're back and we're not going to make it. And yeah. um, for, I think, a lot of the political energy, mainstream and otherwise, it's, uh, they're on a position of, like, we're so back because, like, it's it's culture issues again, whether it was Youngkin, whether it's with Christopher Rufo, Libs of TikTok, like, mainstream-wise on cultural issues where, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's political civility is kind of gone now. And I think our, our, our good friend Martin on Twitter had said it best. He's mm. just like, I can't really afford political civility that want me dead and my kids emasculated. Oh, so. I think I saw that one. Is yeah. Martin's back on Twitter, if I remember. Yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, we have another $5. Um, yeah, but I really didn't know that about Colin Flair. That, that's terrible, man. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm requesting friends to send much prayers and powers to help me finish this episode. <laughs> Thanks for the comment. Oh, he's oh well. Reprobus is doing uh, an album or an EP, so he's been doing a lot of music actually. Oh, so. EP! I thought he meant this episode as in give me the prayers to finish. Up. It's <laughs> no, he, he's been he's been doing um he's been doing music. Nice, nice. And when it comes out, I'll definitely promote it. Um, so that's uh, <laughs> you know, how says the same rhetoric. They want you dead as our people do. Yeah, it's true. But I mean. Who's in the power to actually uh, turn up the heat, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not getting fed bucks. So yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't um, serve imperialism. One one day I will get the field bucks, but who knows? Uh, so yeah, <laughs> Doom Generation is a really great film. I know that's probably the more popular one, but the next one, the last one, the set, nowhere. This is the pure fabulation machine. All the narratives, all of the like higher budget more effects non-linear narrative all of like 
everything is thrown into a blender leading up the last film of the trilogy. Now the rails are totally off. Now the simulation machine of the MTV generation is in full force. This is total post-industrial wasteland California after the orgy society youths and teens, uh, you know, basically having a, a whole, uh, very, very, uh, you know, uh, impotent celebration of their own decay in a way, uh, very much, uh, you know, you can feel the vibe of it. It's a really great film. So it starts off. It's the group of friends. They all have very interesting names. Um, D James Duvall's character is called dark or they call you him have, dork. dark. Mel Mel is the uh what's her name Rachel Truce who Yeah. Is she uh, in Buffy the Vampire Lucifer, Slayer? I think. Um, Lucifer is her lesbian lover. Yeah. Um, um Sate uh what what else uh What is it Juji Fruit or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a the lot of guy. It's a lot of strange names. The drug dealer's um, called Handjob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think there's a character yeah. named Dingbat as well. Uh just, yeah, very strange. Um but yeah, I mean, the other thing about these movies, like, thank God, um, is that they're all less than 90 minutes long. Yeah, um, they're all like 80 minutes or less. So like an hour to 20 minutes tops is what you're spending your time on. <laughs> so, um, you know, these are these are very quick to to get through. But man, yeah. is there so much shit uh, stuff. To there's do. there's so yeah, there's so much things going on. It's basically like teens like hopping around California partying uh, getting drunk and on substances. And there's, um, there's a lot of weird things that go on. So I have a bunch of notes here. Um, yeah, it's like 90210. There you go. There's the zip code I was looking for. Right yeah. There. 90210. 90210. So, so much of that in this one. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it, like there's the riot girl and the grunge soundtrack, industrial soundtrack. Uh, there's everything here. Um, so, uh, so then there's this point where James Duvall in the beginning, says that uh, sometimes I feel uh, old-fashioned, like um, I'm an alien from another planet, meaning he's referring to him wanting to settle down with Mel, his sometimes girlfriend, but they're in like this poly open relationship. Yeah. And he's like, he wants, there's this craving for normalcy that just is impossible nowadays. And it's very tragic. And he's again, another simp cuckold. And, uh, so he want he feels like an alien, but then when it comes out, he he sees that an alien is abducting people and zapping people. This is like total MTV schlock right here. <laughs> and the 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 congresswoman or something, her son, which is the gay the gay guy that has the uh, what what do they call the thing? We have two different eye colors. My camera. Uh, heterochromia. Heterochromia. Yeah, yeah. Looks very softish, soft boy ish. Um, yeah. And so the alien, I believe in the beginning, only James Duvall sees this alien and he like films everything. So again, the reintroduction of the indie film, the dogma 95 comes back in, um, because he's filming everything. But then of course it cuts out when he films the alien. And then the Senator claims that her son is being abducted by aliens. There's this news report that talks about AIDS, drugs, gang violence alien abductions but then it goes to um here's a message from our sponsors so very much the like the the 90s like ad busters culture critique stuff 
you know, of cap late capitalism. Uh, this is when Noemi Klein's book, no logo was very popular. Um, so then, so they're going along and there's this party that they're going to at nighttime. There is this actor who is, I guess, meant to play a Baywatch character who wants to like, you know, he wants a normal life. He doesn't want to be a teen heartthrob, but then he ends up. Oh, isn't uh, that Jason Simmons from Baywatch? Yeah, Jason Simmons. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But then he ends up being uh, this innocent young girl who's uh, the sister of another character ends up doing some RPing stuff to her. Uh, and again, so it's almost like the craving to get out of that Hollywood fabulation machine, but, but still being a sadistic um, half victim, half perpetrator. And it also shows, I think like the really sort of like riot girl, vicious, cynical critique of like middle America, because like there's the one, um, the two gay guys are in a band together what's his name there's cowboy and then there's the other guy i forget his name but uh, he ends up bart i think bart yeah bart he ends up dying in the end his head well, was he in has, the he's a heroin addiction he's a heroin addiction yeah he buys uh drugs from the dealer uh hand job and it shows his parents are like immigrants from i think like germany or scandinavia or somewhere and like it it's sort of like the the riot girl you know I hate my parents, you know, stuffy mill America that's on the decline, that sort of vibe to it. But it's like the MTV thing. It's almost like a music video version of it. The sort of like hyper fabulized critique of middle American suburbia. So, yeah. um, yeah. So he says that he's an alien. And of course the alien becomes a symbol of their alienation. Of course, ironic. Of course. Yeah. Of, of course, a horse, of course. Right. Um, yeah, Cali lifestyle as marketing slash fandom lifestyle. Like the sort of like there's a romanticism to being a waste in a way. There's oh, sort yeah. of like I mean, all three of these movies do yeah. some kind of affinity or affection for this lifestyle. I mean, otherwise you really don't make these movies if you don't. But um, yeah. like nowhere, I think, out of the three of them from that about half of what I had saw was just like very it was a love letter, but also like a love letter buried in irony. Yeah. And there, these people are like literally living in hell and the end of yeah. it. Yeah. There's like societal decay. Even there's this film, there's this part in the film where, um, the, the couple that ends up, uh, there, there's a scene where there, they, there's this couple that they're always like groping each other in public very much. Uh, what do they call the P PD? PDA public display of affection. Yeah. And then there's a scene where they are on this like Venice beach area and they go to uh, one of those like palm readers. And then she just has like a, a piece of fried chicken. And she's reading their palms like death. And he's like, cool, man. Like, you know, yeah. And that's in all three movies as well. I mean, totally effed up, had tarot cards and astrology. Yep. It's all there. All the, it's all the all alt there. is there. The, the esoteric, the sort of like pop esoteria of like, you know, kids getting into Wiccan and tarot cards, that is the connection between sex and death in the film. The nirvonic, the Freudian nirvonic principle, that lust for completion is everywhere here, which I mean, you could say if this is a film giving a sympathetic light to LGBT culture, I mean, that would never be equated nowadays. It would only be a celebration of life, even though... Yeah. There's a lot of elements of death. So 
even the heterosexual couples experience the hanging of death in the air. So there's a scene where, you know, the his girlfriend's giving him a booyab and he's like driving his car, his Cadillac, right? With, without the sunroof. And he says something. He, they're on the Hollywood Hills, if I recall. Uh, where is it? He says that, um, you know, to, uh, where is it? A wasteland of glittering filth, emptiness and death are as they're looking over the California skyline there. And uh, that's a great, I love that quote. So, um, so then the, it, there's also like depictions of like media figures. Um, I believe um, Den- Denise Richardson makes a cameo where she's the sister of the, of Lucifer. And so she's doing a photo shoot with this model who's like, a, like, you know, bronze age bodybuilder. And uh, the one girl is like, isn't that your muff diving sister with her, your mocha flavored girlfriend? Like you'd never, never would have this nowadays in the film. Never. They would never say that. You know? Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't hear that term at all. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, so the. So, so the, much here. So much here. So the film star wants to, he, he craves for real intimacy, but then he submits to his violent and sadistic, sexually sadistic nature by going after the girl. And I believe she also dies. Um, she's killed by the alien, if I recall. Yeah. Um, I think uh, her, I mean, it's what three that get killed, right? Yeah. They get yeah. On camera. Um, yeah. And it's pretty, it's brutal. No, but in her room, she gets yeeted. Like there's blood everywhere and there's, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's crazy near the end of the film. Oh, and then there's also the um cuz I mean death is so front and center well in all three of these movies it is. But like yeah. um that sort of cultural Americana critique of like the I mean it's in totally effed up. It's definitely brutally front in your face when it's in uh the doom generation, but there's also that televangelist yeah, um, there's always the televangelist. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I mean, in all three movies, there's some sort of televangelist or Christian beating you over the head type deal. Um, and in this one, although it's much more upfront saying like you've got to an hero yourself to get to heaven. Yeah, there very much is like that weirdo like cult vibe. Yeah. Of, it it sort of reminded me a bit of the uh the uh local ninety-five. Is it ninety-five? Local the Oh, local you know, fifty-eight. Local fifty-eight, yeah. About the um, you know, when America's enemies have fully conquered it, you must and hero everybody to like preserve the American dream is to end it. So again, that's the Nirvanic principle. It's literally like the misappropriation of Christianity in this like brutal, like televangelist form of Protestantism, saying that you must, you know, sunset in order to get yourself closer to heaven because the world it's very much Cathar in a way. Like the yeah, world I mean, it's is all, turned it's into hell culty. on earth. Yeah. Yeah. It's all culty stuff that you saw out of like the eighties and nineties, whether it was like, especially you know, around Jones, this area in California stuff, you know, all yeah. sorts of stuff like that. And yeah. I mean, all, throughout all of these movies too, right. The idea of bringing heaven to earth is in all of them, whether it's through like your sadistic dark desires and sex or wanting to like clean, you know, the hell on earth of this place up and return it to its former glory. Like in some form or fashion, you've got to delete uh, some part of either yourself or society uh, yeah. in order to bring heaven to earth to end the hellscape that you live in because the apocalypse is just shit. 
Yeah, and I noticed that the all-pervasive threat of both like extremely homophobic right-wing politics like and and religiosity as the films go on it seems in nowhere they're the ultimate denuded form because now we're into the late 90s we're in 97 yeah. like that present threat of you know i guess what's the buzzword they're using now that doesn't exist um christian nationalism that's the buzzword oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so the ever looming threat of uh this like extreme religiosity is sort of like not there anymore it's on the tv it's certainly there in certain communities in america but it's no longer a cultural force the way it was even in doom generation where yeah. the neo austrian painters go around you know Efsler bashing right um and of course another thing too i wanted to mention was by putting james duvall's little guy in his mouth that is like you know total like Wilhelm Reich critique of like fascism being impotent, wanting to get rid of the sexual, uh, the Oedipalizing force, uh, you know, the typical leftoid, like you are repressed. The reason you're on the far right is because you're sexually repressed, blah, blah, blah. So that's, yeah. Um, that's definitely the propaganda aspect of doom generation. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's there where, yeah. uh, I mean, in, in totally effed up, it was about, you know, HIV and stuff yeah. being like the perfect right wing, like bioweapon. And they're like, Oh, the U S government's responsible in the same way that like the, yeah. you know, the, the gay community then was basically saying like Reagan doesn't care because it's only affecting, you know, a propensity yeah. of the population, which is a majority gay. Um, and I mean, doom generation, right. That critique is there. And then here it's like, it's, it's not as present. Like you said, no. it's just sort of like, there's that televangelism, but instead, right. All of the focus is on, even though like the televangelist right wing Christian threat is gone or much more neutered and tamed by this time. Cause you know, it's 97, I think, yeah. you know, it, you know, friends has been out now or just started, I think. And it had, it's like, um, it's, you know, it's a lesbian wedding. I think Will and Grace, I think is just beginning to come on the yeah, air. American beauty is just down the pipe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, all these things are out. So it's like, so they don't have their normal boogeyman. And yeah. so what, what do we have instead? We have an alien. Because yeah. even though the right-wing boogeyman isn't there, the boogeyman fear of constant repression, constant attack, the idea of going backwards and regressing in time yeah. um, has to come from some external force. And in this instance, it's the alien. Yeah, yeah. Very good point. Very amazing point. And that's the thing, too, is that um, when it came specifically to uh, the, the sort of post-AIDS like, politics in the 1990s where the looming threat was still there, but it very much wasn't as, as it was in the late eighties. Well, yeah. Um, Cause you had anti-retrovirals things started to really what, change. I think they came out around 95 retrovirals. I think that there was a lot of, there was a lot of AIDS victims that were still dying, but mm -hmm. by the time they did have retrovirals, I believe there was this documentary on it called the, the lifeboat where it's like the, the you know lgbt and drug users that made it to that lifeboat you know but there still is that threat there still is that sort of um what was i going to say uh there is marked differences they do sort of play off each other all three films but very much the beginning of the 1990s you have the stark contrast of like religiosity being much more of a force in public life and also like the 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 setting and the backdrop and uh california also changes at this time they're very much more in this film nowhere is an emphasis on post-industrialization the way that these kids are just messing around in these 
industrial parks and they're going to these weirdo parties with like vaporwave lighting and uh very lush set i it does remind me of a Baz Luhrmann film like romeo and juliet you know yeah no, um, it's got that feel to it yeah i mean so every, I, every set feels so um yeah what's the word i'm looking for uh it feels so um surreal whether like in this movie or in all three of them like they go to these bars or they go to places where it just is like it feels like it's covered in like tin foil or like yeah. the, instead of beads for the door curtain or whatever, it's like plastic can rings, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Lots of, lots of stuff. James um, Duvall's room is like very like abnormally large with a big oh, yeah. portrait of him with a gun holding his head. And uh, he's, so that again is another foreshadowing. Yeah. And the idea um, that he feels small all the time. You yeah. Know? And that he's yeah. like, and, and again, it's kind of funny because we talked about how in the other two films that um, sort of like lack of intimacy, awareness. well, the lack of intimacy, but that self-awareness of what you're yeah. not getting or, or what you are not. Um, it's not as actualized, but in nowhere it's in full force. Like that actualization has come forth because yeah. he says he feels like an alien. He wants normalcy, but he's self-aware of the fact that he can't get it being in like an open bisexual relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing too. Another, did you see the little Easter egg when they're lying in bed together? I didn't know. What was it? John Lennon and Yoko Ono. The world. Oh movie. yeah. Yeah. They did the, so he's like clutching onto her. Like he's like, uh, he's like, she's like the John spread Lennon out. picture. Yeah. Where he's yeah. They're both naked and he's like, yeah. Fetus position. Yeah. Cradling her. So that's a little Easter egg they did there. Um, and so throughout the film, sex and death is meditated upon. I said, um, they're often together. The party scene is interesting because that is where James Duvall's characters realizes the excess and the waste that they're living in. And he realizes that uh, there's these two like Swedish models that um, Mel hooks up with or hooked up with before. And she like sort of... Uh, she gives like, oh my God, there's this one point where they're naked in bed after that scene of the homage to John Lennon and Oko, Yoko Ono. She like gives the most generic, like a Ella tier defense of polyamory. <laughs> like she's like, I believe that people are meant for love and sex and that we should spread it to everybody as much as we can throughout our lives and that even however much, you know, sex I have with men and women, that doesn't affect my feelings for you. It's like, oh my but God. Least, but you know what? At least Mel didn't defend the dog pill. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's it. It's true, true, true. That's true. I mean, if this film was made nowadays, maybe. But like, uh, if this no, film was made nowadays, Ayala would star it. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's true. It's all there. There'd be like Silicon Valley dweebs having like <laughs> yeah. these guys making six figures or more driving yeah. their teslas to go meet up with their wastoid ayala girlfriend oh god yeah. i can see oh, it now did you ever read the the descriptions on her blog about what it's like with the party she hosted where like we have a room like we did these like rationalist like you know big yud experimentation where you'd have a room where you just get to cry and you have another room that's like the 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 orgy room and like, i've had her blocked for so long geo i don't yeah. know <laughs> imagine talking to her for two hours i did that i did that. um let's go to the chat here before we wrap up uh 
That's how I'd feel <laughs> if I had a doctor yeah. for two hours. Many pe- many people on the right want other people dead. Yeah, that's true. So Vajinasensi's right. <laughs> yeah, why? You know, that's that's the kayfabe, the kayfabe, kayfabe. Um, so um, anti anti retrovirus are basic. No, I can't, Matthew. I I kind I don't know, but I can't I can't read that on air. Or else we're gonna get slapped for disinformation. Um, so, oh my god! Uh, yeah, chat's uh, been wild since you went off. Um, well, they've been wa- they've yeah. been wild this whole time, actually. The yeah, chat is um, its own separate entity, which God bless them. But there's there's some prominent virologists that maintain that. Oh God! Oh man! Um, yeah, this is this is this is where we need uh, uh, Bap and uh, his yeah yeah takes. Bap did the whole episode on that. He that was sure great. did. Yeah, my my old man says I'm kind of obsessed with the history of HIV. I don't know. I I go because I read the Saliforum said that I went down. Yeah, this, like, that's how I knew. I, I've said this before, but that's how I first knew about Dr. Fauci was through the Saliforum. <laughs> and yeah, so when all yeah. this stuff started, and I saw him come up as like the prominent guy to go to. I was like, oh, we're so screwed. <laughs> we're screwed. Yeah. Then I then I read I read a bit of the book The River about the origin theory of like the the polio. You know what? Yeah. in in uh in in uh africa and uh, like yeah it was yeah and then the science community tried to like bury it because he was critiquing their god uh yen yen uh kabrowski you know and not to say that kabrowski was an evil guy right he did do a lot of good he, he invented the mumps v word uh but you know i mean he d- he went to his death denying that he was using monkeys to cultivate you know gene material for you know the, the experimental anti-polio thing in africa so um i and again like i mean because the mainstream theory is kind of like that existed since the 20s it was only till it hit you know the 1980s that it went wild everywhere i don't know about that but anyways not to talk about that or else we're going to see very problematic things that are going to get us banned from youtube so um yeah nowhere ends with going to this party he realizes the whole nihilism of it all he ends up hooking. He wanted to hook up with the what's what's the gay guy's name? Uh, Montgomery. 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 Yeah, yeah, Montgomery. But then Montgomery says that he was abducted by the aliens. So that could be a metaphor for STDs or whatever. But it's more of the metaphor for alienation in general. Ends up exploding. And another thing too in the film, throughout the film, there's a scene with like the black biker dude and his girlfriend in this like quasi bondage relationship and there's this also the scene at the end with james duvall and when montgomery's like wigging out he's like having a seizure there's the primal scream is very prominent in the film the, there's multiple instances of the primal scream of two people screaming together having memories of screaming the parents scream when uh, Bart dies, you know, his head was in the oven, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, or he may have ended up anheroing on, on drugs. Uh, so there's this primal scream between, in the, in the film, like the cinematography, because of course they had a higher budget to do this. They like juxtapose them rapidly, like screaming. In the end, Montgomery explodes. And this is a total Kafka metamorphosis reference. Out comes this bug alien this bug man uh, you know, and the bug man the bug alien says to james duvall who's got blood and gore all over his face in his room 
he says, I'm out of here, man. And he just leaves. And that's the end of the film. It, it, it very much ends on a metamorph. The whole trilogy ends on a Kafkaesque, surrealist, absurdist, metamorphosis ending of like pure absurdism. There's well, no I, I, point I think maybe it. also though we wasted three hours watching this. Bro. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, no, I, I mean, yeah. I, I was thinking about um, it's a bug alien, but I'm just now thinking about chasing other things. If you catch my drift, um, where, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> he explodes. He's dead. I'm out of here. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I wonder hmm. what that bug. Could I wonder be. what that bug could be. I wonder what that could mean. Um, oh. That's been so prominent in the other two films about drugs and wow. Well, yeah, where does one the, find the this mythical bat pocket? I I forget Gum what number. Road. Gum Gumroad, but I forget the exact episode. I think it was one of the earlier episodes. Yeah, but he's he's got over a hundred episodes. They're great. You can find him on Gum yeah. Road. Uh, Gum Road Caribbean Rhythms, fantastic yeah. stuff. Yeah. I'm behind a few episodes, but yeah, very I, I very I, good stuff. I think I'm up to where he interviewed Ryan Nationalist, and then um yeah <laughs> oh by the way rag nationalist will be on content minded one day i just have to schedule things with him so oh, good on you i have to read man's world issue four so uh, then i will i'm looking it. forward to the eggs benedict option oh yeah his new cookbook Is yeah it cookbook? I yeah i have his old cookbook by the way but it's like it's half a cookbook but also half of like the content that you'd find on man's world. So I really love yeah. that. I, I have, I have, I wanted to buy the annual edition cause I am in the annual edition, by the way. Oh, good on you. I'm in the, um, go to antelope hill publishing. Oh, I'm sorry. They publish, uh, Austrian painter books. Oh no. <laughs> um, it's published by antelope hill. I believe man's world. The print version is also published by antelope hill. I have a visual gallery where I have an I have a visual essay where I have 10 paint, uh, 11 paintings of various um bodybuilders like the the musculature and I got all of the um all of the painting the the, the reference photos from Handsome Thursday so <laughs> I thought it was a, I thought it was an interesting idea but they're very abstract paintings and I have a visual essay it's accompanied by an essay that I wrote on the vitalist bodybuilder so I know ironic, like, you know, someone like me writing that, like that but you know, it's, you know, I hope, I hope BAP has read it. I hope BAP. Well, I'd be in no place to judge either. So don't worry. Yeah, I know. And we're kind of like opposite ends of the scale there. We sure um, are. Yeah. Um, oh, so apparently the newest Caribbean rhythms is supposedly about Mahala and Dra. Oh, I've got to nice. go give that a listen. Yeah, we got to give that a listen. Um, I I, I'm more of a Blue Velvet fan. I I, I watched Mulholland Drive a long time ago. Um, I haven't seen Blue Velvet in forever, so maybe yeah, we should. Yeah. We'll we'll cover David Lynch on the show for sure. Yeah. Um, did did Andrew Sullivan interact with Nicolo Salo? That's pretty crazy. Um, that's probably you know yeah probably happened. Um, yeah yeah. If I recall, he was talking about. Mulholland Drive. Um, so yeah, so nowhere I have a few more notes, then we'll go sure. to the uh reflections on it. So the news report is quite interesting. Again, this very much is like critiquing like 1990s critique of Americana, like the, the fabulation machine, and like you know, the the RP the, the 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 abusive, you know, Hollywood star, starlet, right? So 
Um, yeah, so I also wrote here that it's kind of mimicking this, but only online now. Yeah, it's only like online groups that are you know a part of this. Um, yeah, so then there's this point where I forget his name. I believe is the biker, the the black biker. He ends up beating the drug dealer with a to death with a can of Campbell's soup. It's Campbell's tomato soup. So I think there's a little bit of an Andy Warhol reference there. I was about there. to say, I think there's a Warhol reference there. Yeah, sort of like um, the Americana and excess and like production and uh well and i think that kind of goes back though to what you had mentioned because you this well, we're talking about this like low culture stuff yeah like you just said we we all want this online um you know i just think about uh james duvall's character i just want to be normal yes i yeah. just want to be left alone i just want to grill i just want to be normal i just, just want to have a wife in the woods. and kids I yeah, I want to have my wife who it's 2030 and I won with my cabin in the woods and my five kids and my like, you know, spinny wheel trab wife, you know. Yeah. Um Milk Maiden, Milky's off the charts. Yeah. You know, Liz Brunig style, you know. Yeah, just cream like... pie nationalism. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean that's where we're at. And um... that was the last stream, remember? Like, like <laughs> an anime girl would never think about having you know what. Oh my god! There was one of my one of the earliest screenshots I have from a YouTube comment somewhere uh, when I first started my channel it was just like, you know, um, uh, you know, anime is so great. Unlike the real world, where we have <laughs> that was one comment that Stain Haynes got when he did the Folgers Coffee thread. Remember, I, just I really wanted, yeah. <laughs> I have the video preserved forever on my YouTube channel, but the one comment's like, wow, this is just like my favorite anime. <laughs> <laughs> the in, you know what vibe, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. This is like my favorite. anime. <laughs> Apparently the Japanese are much more open to that type of, uh, never mind, never mind. I've only heard this secondhand, so don't worry about it. But yeah, um, nowhere is a fascinating film. It very much is a time capsule, though, of the MTV stuff. It very much like all three of these movies are yeah. a time capsule where only on television could you be so yeah. openly subversive in the face of everyone hating you. Because yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, whether whether it was Oprah, whether it was Phil Donahue, whether yeah. it was even the Shock Jocks, um, Jerry Springer, Jerry Springer, you could be as offensive as humanly possible where they could have like a black family talk to like a bunch of like, you know, guys in certain hoods or, yeah. um, Janet Lake know, was another one. Yeah. Or, or be like, uh, you know, like openly Satanist in front of a, like a very like evangelical crowd. Like it was those platforms where you could be transgressive and that began to die down in the 1980s to where it was more, we're transitioning to the Ted Turner, Larry King style, uh, television to where yeah. now, it is film where it is now subversive, which I'd argue is probably worse. Um, but like, but it's like you a know, it, version. Like it's become catch this. Sort well, of yeah, thing. but it's it's uh, it, like you said, it's a time capsule to where it's no longer on the television talk show panel or in front of the audience that hates you. But yeah. now you can directly document what those people were like. Yeah, yeah. And now the audience is sort of like placated by it. They're sort of like. In more of a passive consumer role than like yeah and I, and I noticed the chat yeah ricky lake was uh ricky was lake yes sir yeah. Ricky lake, yeah 
Although uh, man, Jim Ricky Jones. Lake was the subject of so much Norm Macdonald hate. Um, I, I yeah. remember that from SNL. Ricky Lake was on television this week for eating another producer. You know, just jokes like that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny though because uh, nowadays I think we do have our own like, like right wing spectacles of it. Like we do have uh, the same thing, right? It's oh we, yeah, but we create them for ourselves though. Uh, Jay well, Dyer and, and, has a pretty good analysis of Mulholland Drive. Um, I really don't watch any of his stuff, but maybe I'll give that one a watch. Yeah, but, you um, should. I've 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 been lagging on watching Jay Dyer. Uh, he's got so much stuff though. Like he's got. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's funny though. Like the right wing for sure does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's um, good observation. We we cre and like these films, right? They're they're confessions in a lot of ways. Yeah, confessions yeah. of the self, confessions of the internal. Uh, self-actualized and self-aware yeah. fears i was gonna use. say the reflections on all three of the trilogy but yeah go ahead yeah, yeah yeah and so like how you mentioned like well really this is explicitly online where the right wing does it where we have our own ecosystems where we can express these uh self-aware concerns critiques and insecurities because i mean james duvall in all three of these films i don't know if greg iraqi's got some sort of issues with masculinity or he had some experience where like you know, he doesn't yeah. feel like one, but uh, I really, I, I know it's important to like psychologize and things like that, but I hate doing it because I feel like it's yeah. like a lefty thing to do. Yeah. Um, but like the right does it now on the internet where a lot of fiction, a lot of the books that are being read, a lot of the memes that we make fun of ourselves with yep, are about yep. that. Where Paul it's just, Cell is even like that. Yeah. You know, uh, Theory Cell, Paul Cell, you know, the all the discourse of shape uh word um you know word cell or shape rotator like all these things that just come to mind and it's just like we have our own uh but instead of it being a film it's just a never-ending wave of introspection because our yeah our our version of the plato's cave is individually tailored yeah, yeah. where we are exactly. both the recipients of watching the cave but we are also the guys behind the uh behind the yeah. screen with our own torches making yeah shapes. that's amazing um, I think we're going to wrap it up because I have to go soon. Sure, sure. But, uh, yeah, um, that was amazing, though. I really liked the films. I think it was important to explore. And finally, last word for $10. Thank you very much by, Zach by Zachariah uh, Bolduc, I think. Oh, he's, he's a good guy. Yeah, thank you so much, my friend. You two should watch The Good Fight. Oh, my God, my mom watched a little bit of that show. It's a strangely self-aware, explicitly radically leftist. My normie friends who watch it aren't even aware that most of it is based on true events. Um, yeah, I've heard of it. Apparently, it takes the Mariska Haggerty show. By that, I mean um, Law & Order SVU. It takes it up to 100, but it's more of like a lawfare thing, which, I mean, was originally the original show of a law. Lull and Odor, as I like to call it. Lull and Odor. But my mother watched a bit of The Good Fight. I watched like five minutes of it, and I'm like, is this a television show? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna have to look this up for the cringe. Maybe we cause... should torture ourselves. Maybe it could be a Patreon thing where we torture ourselves. But yeah, yeah we should. Fight. We should. Um, and like, yeah. yeah kind of, apparently, like Kino Casino does that, where they watch the woke survivors uh, season, the current one. Maybe, maybe we should do that. We should watch. The Is that the one where they literally advertise it as a as a uh, race war now type deal? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I'm, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I don't watch a lot of like normie television, but for the sake of this shit, now I've got to know more. Um, yeah, yeah. But I like, it, it's the same reason why like um I like 
it, you can watch five second, five minutes of like anything that Shonda Rhimes has ever done. Oh, and it's God. just like, that is the uh, eternal confession of like a black shit lib. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah. so, it's so bad. <laughs> it's, um, but You're yeah. no disconnected from other like black people in America. Like they, it's how far they've gone. Like they're the average, like, african-american like i don't think they relate to that type maybe, maybe they do i don't know like it's, oh yeah because i'm sure a lot of black americans can relate to carrie washington constantly on the verge of crying as she like <laughs> over a white man yeah um, yeah you know like uh, or did you know that speaking of liz brunag uh, did you know the <laughs> eulogy that she put out for the crime that the guy did no to get the death penalty no, I didn't know. She that. wrote this eulogy for him. He appeared never. I can't even say it on on YouTube, so don't worry. I'll say that. Okay. Before. Yeah, send it send but, uh, it to me in a DM or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. The the films are great. Um, I'm sort of pooped out after two hours, but there is much more to say. Maybe I'll write an article as a follow up. Yeah, I might uh, do something for Doom Generation because there's a lot there. Yeah, you should actually. Um, so all of Prudentialist links are in the, so go and support him, subscribe. So do you have anything coming up? So this Sunday you have the, I have, I have my show this Sunday. I'm going to have a fishing video out tomorrow. Nice. And then, um, next week, even though I'm going to be pretty much MIA, uh, doing some IRL stuff, caring for my mm -hmm. friend. Yeah. Um, I will have my, I will be doing a reading video of my, I am 1776 article. Mark gave me the, the go ahead for it. So nice. that'll, that'll be out next week. So um uh but after that i'm gonna have just like a um, a lot of the stuff that i'm planning to put out in my essay collection book which will hopefully be out at the beginning of next year yeah um those will be behind the paywall and patrons will have access to that yeah when i put out subsequent chapters too they'll be on my patreon patreon.com slash giant productions uh subscribe star slash prudentialist is that what it is yeah you can find me on subscribe star slash the prudentialist or if you don't want to go through subscribe star or youtube then uh, Substack is another great way to support me. Yeah, yeah, really great. Uh, so this has been a great episode, man, in the can. Maybe next week we might have it because you're away. You, you're busy. So well, well, uh, I'll find time to record something. Yeah, yeah. And also uh, this sun Saturday, I think I'm releasing the final part to the uh, Style Talk um, breakdown of Obsolete by Fear Factory. So as always, God bless. Goodbye to sweet. See you, gents. Thanks you so and thank you so much to the to people who gave me sneeded those super chats. So there you go.